is the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose, where I strategize with business owners on how to grow and scale their businesses to hit their income goals. This is episode 291 of the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose. Today, we're going to be diving into how to grow a blog. And I'm speaking with Chef Dennis Litley, who I have known for quite some time in the online space because he also started his site back in 2009 when I started mine. So you're going to get to listen to two dinosaurs talk about how you can actually grow a blog now, as well as how we did it in the past, and how what has become more important than anything else is just really part of what we're going to jump into. Now, as always, I really hope that you guys will grab my email list growth guide because you're going to hear us talking about the importance of growing your email list. So send me a DM on Instagram at Jenny underscore Melrose, and I will send that directly over to you. As well as if you have not already taken advantage of my content marketing audit that I am doing for free, just by you leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcasting app, sending me a screenshot in to my DMs on Instagram, again, at Jenny underscore Melrose, and you get that audit for free. So take advantage of it. All right, you guys, let's dive in. Hi, Chef Dennis. How are you? I am doing great, Jenny. Thank you so much for having me on today. Of course. I am so excited to have this conversation and to really dive in to how to grow a blog. But before we do that, will you introduce yourself and your business to my audience? Sure. Uh, my name is Dennis Litley. I'm usually known as Chef Dennis around the blogosphere and have been for quite some time now. I don't know where time got away from us, but I think I started in 2009 and oh, it's been crazy, but it's been a great ride too. Uh, you know, I started my blog as a, as a resource for my culinary students and it just kind of blossomed from there. And, you know, you, you've been together pretty much for a long time. When did you start, Jenny? I forget. Also 2009. Yeah. Exact same time. Yes. And I think I first initially met you on Google Plus. Doesn't that sound crazy to say? <laughs> I think so. You know, that was really the big turning point for me is, uh, you know, it was a love-hate relationship. People either loved it or hated it. I actually felt like I found my people there. And it was a great community builder, you know, as they refer to it as the great experiment, you know, uh, Google just throws stuff out there. And if it works, even if it does work, they still get rid of it sometimes. You know, you never know with them. Yes, yeah. And it's so true. And it's why we always, my listeners always hear me talking about the fact that you cannot build your business on social media. Cause nope. as many of them have heard me say, I had, I think about 660,000 followers over there on Google plus, and they yeah. said, Nope, no more. <laughs> yep. I uh, know I had broke a million. I just, I, I, it was a sad day when it went away. Yes. Oh my goodness. I know. So let's talk about, you've obviously been around since 2009. You've been around for a while. You've roamed the earth when the dinosaurs roamed the internet. That's the way I like to explain it. Um, how do you grow a blog from scratch? You know, from scratch, it, it's really quite a I think it's quite an endeavor these days, but it still can be done. I think the first and most important fact that you need to understand before you grow your blog is you got to love what you do. This cannot be about any income. I mean, granted, you're going to make a good income, but that can't be the reason that you decide, oh, I'm going to be a blogger because it's easy. I get to sit at home all day and, and just type things out on my computer. Oh, boy. No. No, it, it's it's going to kill you some days. You're gonna you're gonna wonder 
what fresh hell you've encountered on multiple days, especially when Google changes the game. So, you know, it is not impossible to start from scratch. It's just you have to understand this going in. So if you love what you do, it makes work a little easier. So, you know, growing uh, growing a blog from scratch these days is more than just about your blog, too. You know, you really have to, I always tell people that are starting, I said, you got to play the long game a little bit. You know, granted, there's people that strike it rich within the first six months, and it's one of those right place, right time, someone mentions you, and then the, the heavens open up and the angels sing. But for most of it, it's like beating the bushes. Um, and, and that comes down, when I say beating the bushes, to social media. It's the thing that we all hate. And it's a time suck of immeasurable proportions. But that's where you got to go get to get readers. That's where you got to go to let people find you. And you can't expect there to be a lot of traffic from social media either. Like you just said, don't build your blog on social media. Those of us, those of those, not me, those of those that have had, have had their hearts ripped out when something changed and their traffic plummets. So you use social media, and I always try to explain it to people. It's the billboard that you pass on the highway every day. And those billboards are still out there, even with how people advertise now. You see a message on that billboard, it plants in your mind, and somehow, someday, you're going to reach for something, and you're going to remember that billboard's going to be in your mind, and you're going to grab that product, or you're going to go towards that service, or you're going to plan your vacation to that place because something clicked in there. So when you post on social media, it's an advertisement for you, and it's an advertisement for the brands that you're working with. And most brands understand that. Again, you're not going to drive traffic from that. You'll get some. But if you're driving a lot of traffic from there, something is wrong because you're not getting enough traffic from Google. It can't right. be your main source. So, yeah. No, I think that that billboard analysis is so important because you do. You have to see things now six to eight times before people will take any sort of action. So it's important to know that just putting it out there, continuing to do it and feeling like you're not bothering people, they just need to see it. And they're inundated with a lot of information nowadays with yeah. all the different ways that you can see things on social media. So you kind of touched on this piece when you were talking about some people can take off in six months. How long does it take a blog to grow where it's part-time to full-time income? Yeah, you know, I, I would say I, I would give yourself two to three years in all honesty and, and estimation. I, I think anything beyond, you know, prior to that is again luck, chance, and just, you know, your your expectations are just a little higher. Now, granted, you should have a goal. I, I think setting short-term goals with blogging is very important too. You should have a goal, and one of your short-term goals could be to be successful at six months, but that doesn't mean that you give up at that point. Yeah. And you know, you should have, you know, if you have right now, you have uh, five thousand page views, and you know, for a new blogger, that would be a pretty good start. And so maybe your next six-month or four-month or five-month goal is ten thousand. So now. That's your goal. Now you have to figure out how to get there. And that means really, again, beating the bushes, sharing on social media, uh, doing some kind of giveaways. You know, in the early part of your career, giveaways play a big part in, in growth on your blog. And a lot of companies, there's a lot of companies out there that don't want to pay you 
but we'll give you product to give away. So this is when you leverage them. You know, as you get bigger, then you know you, you don't work for product. That's just as simple as that. But in the beginning, everybody's got to start. And I remember the first time someone paid me fifty dollars to do something, and I was like, "Oh my!" God. I, I, and now I, I have a running joke, and my wife hits me every time I say it. But I say I won't put pants on for fifty dollars. You know, so <laughs> I don't leave the house. But you got to start somewhere. You got to crawl before you can walk. And so getting someone to give you product to give away, and if they subscribe to you or they, they follow you, you give them an opportunity to win that, you know, that's a good way to build. I had a friend that used to give out $100 Amazon cards and she would do it every now and then. She would get a whole lot of subscribers with that. I don't know if you can still, honest, I've never done those kind of giveaways and I don't know how the FCC regulates now, if they're still okay to do, but you know, these are things to look at to kind of grow your blog in a fast way. And that's if you have extra money to spend right. because you're not going to be making anything. Yes. And often you want to make sure that it's targeted to where you're trying to go with your content. I think yes. in the beginning we could do Amazon and there wasn't as many blogs out there. Yeah. Whereas now I feel like it's really got to be definitely targeted towards where your end game is as oh, far yeah. as keeping them around so they don't unsubscribe because they do have so much coming in their inbox or oh. so many different things that they are liking and following along with. Yeah. And, and the fact with that is to remember too, that, you know, I remember we went to a, a conference years ago and there was a guy talking about screaming fans and how 100 screaming fans is better than having a million followers because those hundred screaming fans will sing your praises to everyone that will stand still long enough to listen to them. So that's, again, is a good way to gain some traction, to gain some followers. Um, I actually just went on a new platform. I, I don't know if you've seen it, Whisk. Have you seen Whisk? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it yet, though. I, I saw it. I went on and I just uploaded a bunch. It's pretty simple. It's, it's kind of like Pinterest with the rich pins where they you get all the ingredients. They want the, uh, the instructions that have to come to you. Well, not a lot of hits, but in a month, I've gotten less than a month. I've already gotten 2,000 sessions. So... For me, you know, that's like an extra 150 bucks or 100, you know, you know, right. just just for doing nothing except spending about a half an hour uploading things. For a new blogger, that, that's a lot. Right. That's that's adding. You know, that's if you're starting at five thousand, that's you know, fifty percent increase for you. So you can add. But again, that's if you have enough blog posts, and that's where that comes down to. Like I tell people okay. to take their time and just to. to you should have like 20 blog posts before you even tell people about it, I think, because you don't want something to come and see, oh, they have three posts. Okay. And then maybe you don't get a chance next week. So then you still only have three posts. If you have 20 and you can try and target and, and target one a week, at least two a week, you know, depends on your time flow. So you have a constant update and yeah. then start building an email list because that's really the only thing you ever own. So true. And they've heard me say that so many times on this podcast. Oh. So how do you measure whether the content you are creating is the right content for your intended audience? Well, I think a big indicator is my email list because I, I, I went to ConvertKit. I didn't like ConvertKit. I, I couldn't figure it out, even with all their, their webinars and stuff. But I hired a young lady who's very good at, at uh, emails, and she moved me to ConvertKit. And right away, my conversions went up. And now I get a ConvertKit, but she still does it for me. Um, but I get to see which ones they're opening. And I, like, I know that my readers love chicken. 
Okay. Because the biggest post I've ever had were three chicken dishes. It was chicken, chicken, or uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. And I had the highest open rate I've ever had. Um, so it kind of tells you, and then things that I don't expect, like I posted a, um, a slow cooker. I, I don't do a lot of slow cooker recipes, but this was an old one, redid it. And it got a tremendous view. So they kind of tell you there what your readers or what people who follow you want to see. And I, one time I started getting a bunch of emails from people telling me what they wanted to see. And I'm like, well, that's really nice. And then I read the email my, my uh, woman's, the lady sent out for me. And so it's, oh, tell me what ideas you'd like. And I go, okay, next time let me know so I can understand why I'm getting all these suggestions for things. But um, get, ask them, ask them and they'll tell you. Like one of the biggest things I did on my blog was at the very bottom of it, I have a call to action. And I was never real big on that, but it's got where they can find me. But it says, if you made this recipe, please leave uh, a rating for it. And once I asked for it, people started leaving them like crazy. It's, it's, it's amazing the response you get. So, you know, ask for things. Yes. No, absolutely. I love that you talked about ConvertKit because my listeners hear me talk about it all the time. I'm, I am love ConvertKit. I've used other platforms. I think that other platforms are great depending upon what you're trying to do. But I do think that it lets you see so much when it comes to open rate and your okay. rates. And just when you analyze it and understand it and can get a better feel for what your people want, you can continue to create that content for them. Yeah. So when it comes to creating the content, what do you think is the most important thing? To creating content, I think it's got to be genuine in the terms of what you're creating. Now, a lot of people I know do keyword searches and they build their content off of keyword searches. Mm -hmm. I honestly have never done that. I cook what I like to eat and what I think my friends like to eat. And so when I'm creating the recipe, it is something that I already have more passion for. So it's going to show through in the recipe and the recipe is going to be accurate and it's going to be something. And, and this is what I've done my whole, my whole career. So I feel like that's what the people are expecting from me. Not to say that searching keywords is a bad thing to do. It's just not something I have ever done. Some people are very successful doing that. And uh, I think the new way is long to keywords too, is what you're, you're grabbing in the smaller portions of the pie, but lots of them. A lot easier yes. way to do it, uh, and and I use keyword tools. I you know I have uh, a couple of different things that I do sign up for, so it's not like I ignore them. I just try. Like if I say, what am I going to make this week? Well, first of all, what did I buy? What do I have in the freezer? What kind of seafood do I have in the freezer? Or what do I feel like eating? And then I go, all right, what haven't I made lately? And then I think about it in terms like that. And then later on, I'll go to see what keywords might match that after I've decided what I'm going to make. Yes. And I think you said something important too in the beginning. You said, what would my friends like, right? Yeah. Because that's who ideally you're making it for. That's who you're expecting your audience to be part yeah. of. And you probably created an avatar, the idea of who that audience is going to be based on those friends. So really trying to think about, you know, I think one of the things that people have an issue with when they're not doing any keyword research is they'll create one day something very intricate and detailed that takes them two and a half hours to make. And then the next day they do something that's 10 minutes. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily connect because tech, most of the time, the person that only has 10 minutes isn't going to have the two and a half hours. No. So it's two different audiences. And I yes. think that's where the issue rises from more often than not. 
Well, that, that's very true. And in the beginning, I, I was trying to be something to everyone. And that's really an impossible task because I would see my friends making this and making this and going, well, I can make that. I can make that. But it wasn't who I was. So there wasn't the passion behind it. There wasn't the joy behind it. And it was confusing my audience. So like, you know, I'll have people asking me for gluten-free recipes. All right, granted, I have, I think, four on my website, but that's not what I do. You know, and I always say there's so many good gluten-free. There's so many. Well, can you make this dairy-free? Well, I probably could, but it would take me half a day to figure it out. And I don't do that. So, you know, find someone that does. Don't try to be everything to everyone. Do what you do very, very well and stay in that lane. You know, it's okay to occasionally veer out of that lane and make something that you want. Again, it comes down to what, what would I like to eat? What, what do I feel like making? Uh, you know, and, and take it from there. And, and if that's outside of the lane, that's okay. Now, when you were talking about time limitations, I don't think it's realistic to give a recipe for anything that's going to make two, take two hours to make. Right. Unless it's in a slow cooker, it's braising in the oven, it's sitting on a uh, simmering. Like all, all of my recipes, max an hour, max. And usually in the 30-minute range, 20 to 40 minutes is the sweet spot because I don't have time to cook when I'm done my day, I don't feel like it. So why would anybody who's working a nine to five job, coming home, picking up the kids, getting the laundry, putting the dog out, want to sit there and say, oh, okay, look, Chef Dennis created this beautiful Kubiakta salmon. It takes an hour and 40 minutes to make. It's a wonderful dinner. I know they'll love it for dinner tonight at 930 when it's done. <laughs> no, no. But on the weekend, yeah. Okay. When you have all day, you know, when you have some time. Yes. But I think it's important, like you said, you can't be everything to everyone. No. You have to just talk to the people that you're meant to talk to that are going to be able to relate to the content that you're putting out there and to your past experiences as well. Um, I think that you draw in an audience because you are a chef. You were in taught in culinary school. I think that there's a draw for people because of that because they see you as an expert and you are an expert and you articulate that when you're writing your content. So I think that that's just such an important piece to really be okay with staying in your lane, like you said. Yeah, you know, it, it is. And again, it doesn't mean you can never veer outside of it. It's just, if that's not what who you are, don't expect. And if you pick up new readers who want that specific thing, they're not going to be happy with everything else you made because they're looking for more of that. Like I did, I did one air fryer recipe. I so wanted to love the air fryer. I so wanted to. In fact, I bought two of them and I sold two of them. You know, I, I learned how to use it and, and they were granted, they were great, but I'm thinking, well, hell, I guess do most of that in the oven still. Now, what I did like about the air fryer was the compact space and it did crisp things up really nice, but boy, it stunk up my kitchen. <laughs> there was so much smell in there. I was like, nah, I'm sticking with the oven. But for people who need something simple, I mean, it is a wonderful tool, you know, just saying with an Instapot. I wanted to like the Instapot, but again, it was not old, old habits die hard. I'm a chef. We didn't, I, I didn't even like sous vide, you know, I'm just so old fashioned. I, I really am a dinosaur, but you know, I, I think there's simpler ways to make things without taking the damn Instapot took longer to heat up than it did to cook something. You know, it was like, <laughs> makes no sense to me, but uh, I'm a saute person. Something you should be able to cook something 10, 10 minutes on the stove. You know, pasta usually takes longer to cook than whatever I'm making or the rice. 
and and boom, dinner's ready. It's it's good, and it's it's like, what do I have in my refrigerator? Okay, let's put this, this, and this in it. It's not like rocket. It's not rocket science. That's what I always say. It, cooking is not rocket science. But it keeps it in your skill set of where yeah. you're most comfortable. And I think the thing that like you keep emphasizing, which I just want to make sure we really do drive this home, is the joy. Because yeah. being a blogger, like you said in the beginning, is not simply, oh, I'm just going to start blogging and make a ton of money. It's work. And there's yeah. the up and down and you have to stay up with the algorithms and you have to figure out social media when new, new platforms come on. So you have to love what it is that you're doing. And that's what yeah. you've done so well. Well, you know, now I have I have a system and it. it's the best way to start my day. It brings so much joy in my I make my coffee. I bring my coffee over to my desk. I look at my emails and I see if there are any fires I need to put out or correspondence. And then I go to my Google Analytics to see how many people visited me yesterday. And then I go to Mediavine's dashboard and I see how much I made for the day. And all is good in the world. <laughs> and, then, and, and then I'm like, oh, I will blog another day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, but honestly, if I didn't like it, I, I keep telling my wife, one of these mornings, you're going to come out and you're going to find me sitting there watching TV or looking through a golf catalog. God forbid. <laughs> Chef Dennis is not a golfer. <laughs> but, you know, then I will be done with it. But I, I can't see it being done permanently. You know, I, I think if I did stop, it would just be a break. And then I would come back. I, I can't imagine not doing it. I mean, when I hit a day where I don't feel like doing it. I'll go read all day. I'll go outside and read all day. You know, I'll get my mind somewhere else or, or, you know, I'll do mindless stuff like just edit pictures, listen to music, put YouTube music on and listen to music all day. Well, I do nothing but edit pictures and and I don't have to write. I don't have to look at social media because sometimes, uh, and I have dropped off of social media to some extent. I mean, I I just feel bad about it, but I'm just, I'm tired right now. So uh, uh, I'm working more in SEO. And yeah, I'm just tired. And I, I think that that's a lot of us. Honestly, it's funny that you said that because right before you got on, I was researching what I was going to be talking about on the podcast for the month of June. And I'm actually talking about social media detox and what that looks like for a blogger that's supposed to continue to use social media for their business, but how your business can still continue to thrive because of that. Because yeah. I very much have done that in certain ways in certain areas and made sure there's boundaries within it. Um, but I do, I think that that's a piece of it. You have to truly, when you are a blogger, you have to love what you are doing and take those days to kind of like get back and get centered and know exactly where you're going to continue to go. Yeah. And, and the other trick is finding people to do what you don't like to do. You know, I, I hated Pinterest, so I've always had people do that for me. I mean, I didn't do anything with Prentice for a couple of years, and now it seems to be coming back. So I hired someone to get me back in the game to see, you know, how that works. Uh, you know, it, it's like anything that you feel is sucking the life out of you is going to make your job not fun. So you, you, you farm it out, you hire somebody to do that part of it for you. Or if it's something that you need an expertise on, you know, just like, you know, we were talking about getting me on your podcast. Well, my friend, Casey Marquis said, Dennis, you got to get on some podcasts. So I said, yes, sir. And I hired a company to get me on podcasts. So again, it's a matter of where, you know, if you're a blogger, I mean, the tenant I have always followed, and it's because I have not needed the money to live. It's always been kind of extra money as you have to spend money to make money. 
And in order to make more money, you have to advertise yourself or you have to find services that will help bring people to you. And that means spending some money. So, you know, for me, it's it's always been part of business because I've always had a business background and I understand that concept. Now, again, I'm not putting food on the table with it. So I can't speak to people who are, that's their primary source of income and they need it, you know, but you still need to find a way to find one thing. If you can do one thing and spend some money on that to help you because you will grow your business and yeah. sometimes exponentially, depending on how you spend your money correctly. No, absolutely. We've talked about that a lot on the podcast as far as trying to figure out what are the things we can hire out for so yeah. you can free up your time to do some of those things that could bring in more revenue that yeah. just need you to do it. So yeah. Chef Dennis, where are the best places to connect with you? The best places to connect with me are directly on my blog, askjeffdennis.com. Uh, my email is there. You can send a question or a comment on a post. And then across all social media, I am Ask Chef Dennis. Just because I don't post doesn't mean I don't look. So <laughs> I still spend a good deal of time on social. I just don't have the, the joy of posting lately. Every now and then I get in a binge and you'll see 30 days of posts and then I stop. So... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm easy enough to find. And, you know, I'm always happy to help uh, new bloggers and uh, with ideas or answer questions if I can, you know, as long as I can fit it into the day. Uh, of course. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge with us. I appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Jenny. I had a great time. It was fun catching up with you. You too. All right. Well, there you have it. Good to be a fly on the wall listening to both Dennis and I go back and forth about the different ways that you can really make sure to grow your blog and how things have changed over the years. I'm hoping that you will make sure to grab the email list growth guide as well as take advantage of the content marketing audit that I am doing. I'm taking a look at both your social media and your website to see how we can make sure that you are growing it substantially so that you can have a successful business through your blog. All right, you guys, until next time, I will see you all then.